Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Good morning. Thanks for being in church today. John chapter 5 is where we're going to be looking. I want to just, as you're turning there, highlight our 40th anniversary. I hope you'll mark your calendar, make plans to be with us as uh, not only that weekend, the 18th, 19th, and 20th, but we'll also uh, the Wednesday before and uh, the week before that have a week of prayer and fasting that will be coming up. And also Wednesday, October the 16th, which is the Wednesday before our 40th anniversary, uh, my friend, a friend of this house, Mike Holt, is going to be with us. He's going to be speaking that Wednesday night. I hope you'll come. And I've just uh, we've invited him to come and, and just uh, give a, a, a word. Uh, a, a prophetic word in this time to speak as God would lead his heart. Uh, he's a friend of ours. He's been uh, a friend of mine for some time and a friend of this house. And uh, uh, I've just uh, felt led to have him come back and just speak into, into our church in that moment. So uh, Wednesday, October 16th, hope you'll join us. And then Friday at, the state, or at, uh, at uh, Penn State uh, for a night of worship. And then here on Saturday, a block party. How can you go wrong with smoked barbecue and all kind of good stuff so that'll be great and then Sunday of course our special service as we'll have some former pastors gather with us some of you might know the names of Pastor Brett and Cassie Rogers who will be with us Pastor Brett Rogers and his wife will be with us Pastor Ed and Rosemarie Knopfs will be with us and uh, Pastor Bo Williamson I believe is going to be able to come back be a part of that Uh, and so uh, we're looking forward to just a, a great time welcoming some of our our, uh, former pastors come and celebrate with us. So it's going to be a great time. This morning we're going to do some stretching. Don't worry, you don't have to touch your toes. I can't even see mine, so don't worry. We're not going to make you touch them. Um, I believe that we're in a transition, and and I think what I've learned in life is that life is always about transitions. Um, I became the leader here at Faith Assembly, a pastor, been a part of this church, Jody and I, for 20 years. We've been a part of this church, uh, the church family here. But for the last eight years, have been leading. And uh, I remember early on in those eight years was, God, I can't wait when we get this established and everything will be just where it needs to be. And then we'll just have it all where it needs to be and we'll just go. And uh, I've learned that when that's established, something else needs tweaked and something else needs tweaked. So what I've just learned is life is all about a bunch of tweaks. Not tweets, but tweaks. That life is all about, you, you, you can develop your life with some tweaks and you can destroy your life with some tweets. So uh, make sure you get it get it in the right order, but life is all about tweaking. It's all about that moment, that, that, that stage that I'm going from one stage to the next. How many are like me and you've been around long enough to find out it's just a bunch of tweaks that trust in God in this season, this stage. And so this morning we're going to stretch into a new season, a new stage, excited to share with you. And uh, we're going to end today sharing some vision for us here at Faith Assembly. In John chapter 5, we find a man that Jesus meets And uh, talking about stretching, I want to have a front porch conversation with you today. That as we have the conversation on the front porch, my prayer is that we'll be ready to get off the front porch and move into what God is calling us to in this season and this time. Would you stand with me in John chapter 5, and let's look at this this scripture together. The story of Jesus' miracle, the second miracle that is performed by Jesus, uh, of course, was the one before this when he met the young man. And uh, or the father said uh, uh, that his son was sick, and Jesus said his word. He spoke the word and sent the word, and it went and healed. Uh, he does that second miracle. He now comes in 
to this place called Bethsaida. In chapter 5, it says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Just ask your neighbor right now, ask him, would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? I know someone's like, I'm not sick, but you're not as whole as you think you are. Every one of us, are in a, we need another stage of just God's direction and wholeness. Would you like to get well? Verse 7, the man answered, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets in ahead of me. I hate when that happens. <laughs> Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. You know, I love, Jesus didn't say, here's a three-point sermon you need to hear and let me go to this class, you know, take, sign up for this, do that. All of that's right, we do that. That's necessary, helps us process. But Jesus just said, pick up your mat. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Some of us, it's time to pick up our mat and get walking. It's time to move in from where we are. It's good on the front porch. It's good being under the porch. It's time to pick up your mat and to walk. Would you tell somebody there's grace for that? Tell them there's grace for that. There's grace for that. So, Lord, I thank you that your grace is sufficient. It's abundant. It's more than what we need. God, I pray that you would just uh, take command of this atmosphere, everything in this place today. God, will come into the authority of Jesus Christ. And as we cast vision, every distraction, everything that would get in the way would be removed, that our mind would be steadfast and ready to lean in and hear your word. Speak to us, we pray. We ask this by the grace of Jesus Christ. If you agree with that today, would you say amen? Amen. amen. You may be seated. There's grace there's grace for that. That's the title I want to share from today. There's grace for that. We're in this series called Grace Revealed. And the idea of what's it look like when we live affected by grace. What, what's the effect of our lives when our lives are affected by grace? Uh, we said what grace is, is it is the unmerited favor of God. So important that it's unmerited, which means you cannot earn it. There's nothing we can do to deserve the grace of God. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. It's God's grace. It's what makes it amazing. It's not amazing for what it does, it's amazing for what it is. It is the free, unmerited, unearned, uh, undeserved grace of God. But when we also come into contact with, with that grace, we realize that we can live a life guilt-free. That grace allows us to live as if we've never sinned. How many are thankful that you don't have to carry the weight and the baggage, the guilt of life, that we are washed by the blood of Jesus Christ? He has sprinkled us and caused our guilt to be cleansed by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You say, well, what was that work? He died and he rose again. He gave his life selflessly in a sacrifice. If we realize what went in to make grace, grace possible, then we ought to know that God didn't call us to just live general. He didn't call us to live just general lives, average, ordinary, but that his grace is meant to empower us and meant to cause us to live in a life that we could not live on our own. Not only does grace cause us to live like we've never sinned, but last week we talked that grace also allows us to love as if we've never been hurt. That's a miracle. To love like you've never been hurt because every single one of us have been hurt. Every single one of us have been mistreated. Things that have not gone the way we desire. But the love of God, the grace of God, allows us to walk in healing. Today I want to talk 
about the empowerment that comes when we walk in grace. We already know this, that grace is what we cannot earn. We know that we don't deserve it. It's what Jesus did on the cross. He washed away our sins. We, we receive grace by believing on Jesus Christ, for it is by grace through faith that you're saved. It's the grace of God that saves us, and we access that grace by believing on Jesus Christ. That's what faith does. Faith is where we say, God, I believe and trust what you've done, and we receive that. Now, the good news of of that grace is that it forgives us of all of our sins and washes us of all unrighteousness. It's a, a complete work that he's done in us. Nothing that we can do to be saved And here's the good news. There's nothing we can do to not be saved or to to cause salvation to not be available to us. Which means this, your good is not good enough and your bad is not too bad. How many know that's an amazing good news of the gospel? Why is that amazing? Because I have weaknesses. Paul even said this, Jesus, uh, speaking of of Paul's situation in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Jesus said, my grace is all you need. My grace is sufficient for you. My power works best in weaknesses. Good for us. He says, so now I, Paul, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. I don't know about you, but I've got some weaknesses. I don't know if there's anybody else in the room that has some weaknesses that at the moment that you wish you would have a better attitude, you have a not-so-good attitude, and you are not always operating. Uh, Is there anyone else in the room who can attest to sometimes your thoughts, your words, and your actions don't always line up to the perfect will of God? How many are thankful there's grace for that? There is grace. Now, it's not grace that allows us to keep on sinning because, in fact, Paul follows that up, that grace is available for our weaknesses. We receive the grace of God. He covers our weaknesses. I'm thankful for the grace of God that when you have that person that pulls out in front of you and you bless them, not in the name of the Lord, but in another name, there's grace for that. There's grace for that when you come home and you're in a bad mood and you snap at some one of your family members and you wish you wouldn't have done that and you wish you could take back the words you've said, the attitude you've had in the moment. There's grace for that. But that being said, would it mean then do we keep on doing those things so we can have grace? Because we know that that we all have weaknesses, but we know that it's not so that grace can continue. Because here's what, what Paul said in Romans 5. He said that as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more apparent which it is God's grace for our weakness, which means where there is sin, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. What's that mean? It doesn't mean how bad, it doesn't matter how bad sin gets, God's grace is always able to climb higher. That's the good news. Now Paul follows that up and Paul says, well, should we keep on being in our weaknesses because God's grace is available? Should we keep on sinning? He continues in in chapter six and he says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live, say it with me, new life. This is the grace of God, not just to cover the past of what I've done, but to give me the empowerment to live the new life that he has for me. Grace is not just covering for the wrong that is in my life, but empowerment to live the new life that God has. It's amazing grace, not just because it's saving grace, but because it's sustaining grace. Yes, the grace of God accepts me the way that I am, but the grace of God also has the power to change me from old to new. Is there anybody who has now put away the old and is walking in the 
the new life that Christ has for you and I. How many are been made new in this place today? Is there anybody made new by the power and the grace of Jesus Christ? I want to look today and highlight that it's not enough that we just know that grace is a place to belong because I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. But here's the amazing grace and what grace does. Grace does not just accept the lost and the blind. Grace finds the lost and gives sight to the blind. It doesn't just accept you the way you are. Yes, it does. But it's the incomplete work that grace is not just God's love for us and God accepts us the way we are, but his grace is the empowerment that we can live a new life in Christ. That we become people who live new. That grace doesn't just accept us. And here is a picture in John chapter 5 of what grace is all about. Even to the point that this portico, it's a porch, that has five openings to it, and there's, there's a gathering of people just outside of this place in Bethesda, which literally means house of mercy or house of grace. It means the presence of God, the grace of God. And underneath this portico are all the people who are lame, who are paralyzed, broken, blind. They're not able to provide for themselves. They have, they have matters of, of inability in themselves, and so they're gathered under this porch called mercy and called grace. I'm so thankful that there's a place of grace that we can come to because each and every one of us are unable, unable in ourselves that we're all in a place of brokenness. And here Jesus meets one particular individual. This one specific man, he points out. I mean, he, he, there were hundreds. The Bible says there were hundreds of people that were under that porch. Hundreds of them that couldn't fend for themselves, didn't have the ability to make it. They gathered under this place of grace. Jesus finds one in particular man and says to this man, he says, would you like to get well? Jesus is asking you and I a question today. Would you like to get well? Would you like to move from where you are to the place you're going? See, because you can gather at the place of mercy, and I thank God for the mercy that covers my weakness, but God didn't just want me to have mercy to cover my weakness. He wants me to have, have grace, the empowerment, to take hold and move into the future of what God has for me. Grace doesn't just cover my past. It empowers me to live the new life that God has set me apart for, to walk into the fullness of what he has. That there's this identity, and sometimes we can get so caught up in our identity. I remember a couple it was a while ago, as the pastor of this church, the first year I came here, we were in one of those services that the worship was good, and it was, as always, I thank God for all the worship leaders and our worship ministry, and we, there was a time of worship, and during the time of worship, some folks were coming to the altar, and that's always a, a, a welcome thing. If you find me sometimes, I kneel at the front during worship, just in uh, why. There's the times of just responding in the presence of the Lord, just a time of engaging. And so there are individuals coming to the altar. That's totally great. It's wonderful. And as the worship service was, was ending in the transition, I, I knew that this was a moment that we can either continue or we can move on, prolong the worship. And I really felt in my spirit that, that the Lord said, this is not healthy what the Lord showed me was not healthy is that by continuing the altar, that these were just people that keep coming and reopening their wounds rather than walking in the wholeness and the power. That their identity was more in the brokenness than it was in the wholeness. It was more in the brokenness of, of what was and not in the wholeness. And I felt that sense of we've got to transition. 
This is what the Holy Spirit would say. Sure enough, I got the phone call and the message that said, you're quenching the Holy Spirit. You're not allowing the Spirit of God to move. I would say to you without a doubt, I think God doesn't want you to just stay under the porch of your brokenness. He wants you to get to a place where you pick up your mat and you start walking to declare the promise and the purpose and the hope of Jesus Christ. Yes, the church is a place for broken people. It always will be and it should be. But if the church is only a place that expands to gather more broken people, which let's be real, we're all broken and it's only by the grace of God. Even when I walk and carry my mat, it's not because I have it all together. It's because the grace of God dwells in me and the power of God now enables me to rise above my weakness, to rise above my issues, which for me were insecurities, which for me are places of, of not, feeling, uh, not feeling confident. Those are struggles that the enemy knows how to bring at me, but thanks to the grace of God, he's given me victory, victory over those things. That's part of my past. I'm walking in the new life that Christ gives me. Those of you who've been a part of this church long enough know there was a moment in my life a couple years ago, the during a prayer time, I had this place where I said to somebody, well, it's just my personality. It's just the way I am. But then at prayer time, the Holy Spirit reminded me, said, no, that's not how you are. That's how you choose to be. That's not the way I made you. That's not your personality. That's just how you choose to be. And the Holy Spirit had to unwire and undig some things in my life to say, no, God, I need to be made new. And I wonder if there's some still people hanging out under the portico and not picking up their mat and walking. That it's time to stretch from where we've been and move into a place of healing. Does it happen just like that? Absolutely not. But there's a moment that you begin to stretch and we're always in a place of transition. We're always moving from a place of where we are into the purpose of what God is wanting to accomplish. What it is that he's wanting to bring about in our lives. That we would allow this growth, this, this place that Jesus is here and he asks this man, do you want to be well? And I believe he's asking us today, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you want to walk in this wholeness and this purpose? And this well doesn't just mean I need to be healed from the issue I have. Because when we hear this, even if we ask somebody right now, you said, do you want to get well? There's someone in the room that's like, but I'm fine. I'm not sick. See, that very well is the problem. We only need from God when we have feelings of need from God. And we forget that we need God even when we think everything's fine. See, that in the very thing is, it's, is, is the condition when Jesus says, do you want to get well? I'm not going to say to Jesus, I'm good. I'm going to say to Jesus, yep, and whatever you've got, I need. I may not be as sick as I used to be. I may not be where I used to be, but God, where I am is still not what you have. It's still not all that you have for me because I believe there's more. So I want to keep transitioning from this place to the next place to the next place. What's it take for us to move into that area of allowing there to be more? Grace is the place where Jesus intersects your brokenness and disorder and confronts you and I with an opportunity and an invitation. Grace is the place where he intersects us. Why? Because he shows up right in the midst of your brokenness. That's the grace of God. That's the grace of God that he shows up in my dysfunction. If you're here today and you say, Jason, you don't know how messed up my life is. I want you to know Jesus is not afraid of your mess and he'll show up right in the midst of your mess. Grace knows, grace knows how to show up in a jail cell. Grace knows how to show up in a brothel. Grace knows how to show up in the back room of nobody should be there. You don't want to know what's going on. Grace can show up at any place, but what grace does, it'll show up and meet you where you are, but gives you empowerment that he loves you the way you are, but he loves you enough to not leave you the way you are and to move you by the power of God to become new. Are you new? Are we walking in the newness of life? Has grace it is grace allowing new fruit, new things in us to, to develop and to grow. 
Grace meets us at the place, and today God's grace is calling you and I to stretch from the place that he found us to the place that he's prepared for us. Is grace growing in your life? I want you to think about the day that Jesus intersected your life, and if he hasn't yet, today's a great day for you to know Jesus. That's not us laying one over you or saying you got to catch up to where we are. That's just saying the love of God loves us right where we are. It doesn't matter what stage you're in. Doesn't matter if you believe on Jesus yet. Doesn't matter if you're still tipping your toe in the water and saying, I'm not sure yet. Wherever you are, God's grace is there for you. But in the matter of receiving God's grace, the question I have for you is the place that God's grace met you, is it the same place where God is keeping you? Is the place you met Jesus still the same place you are today? That there ought to be this growing, this developing, that we we, we have grace to stretch. I want you to see today that grace is not just to cover my past, but grace is the empowerment. It's not just for my weakness in my past. It's also for the empowerment to walk into the future and the new life that God has for me. You catch that this morning? There's grace under the portico of my brokenness, the lame, the blind, the hurting. But then there's also grace to pick up my mat and to walk. Let me give you a couple things this morning and and I want to challenge us where we are individually, but then corporately, bringing us to a place of casting vision and even sharing where here at Faith Assembly, God's calling us to stretch. What's it going to take? What does grace allow us to do? Here's what, here's what grace does. Grace, number one, causes this, that when, when grace is in action, it causes us and allows us to stretch past our lack of confidence. It allows us to stretch past our lack of confidence. It would seem obvious that this man, he's asked the question by Jesus, do you want to be well? But instead of the man replying with an absolute yes, he responds with a rehearsed no. He responds with a, I can't. He says, I can't. He knows his answer, and he says, I can't. Notice Jesus said, do you want to? And the man just had to answer, yes, I do, no, I don't. But the man doesn't answer yes or no, I want to or I don't want to. He says, I can't. You know what that says? His confidence is that he's in a place and a stage in life that he feels like he's not deserving, that he's missed it. I want you to see the good news. Jesus could have gone to anybody, but he goes to this 38-year-old man who has been lame and laying there from the time we know 38 years. Jesus goes to this guy. He could have gone to any single or any other person. The Bible says there were hundreds gathered under this portico, this porch of mercy where people were hoping to get healed. And he goes to this one man who's 38 years old. Why does he do that? Because Jesus went to the one that thought there's no hope for him. He went to the one that there's two things we know about this man. Number one, he's 38 years old, and every Jewish person knows that you're getting close to 40, and 40 is in the desert, and that's where you die. There's no hope for you. You're too close to your 40. You're 38. You're at the place where there's no hope for you. You're still in the wandering. And they knew there was this, this number that it's a generation and God's done with that. You're almost 40. The 40 is a generation. You're almost at that point. God's finished with you. I want you to know there is no stage in life that God is finished with you. It doesn't matter where you are. He's not done with you. Your condition does not matter for his ability to work in your life. Here's the other thing we know. Go to verse 14. Jesus heals the man, he picks up his mat and he walks. And then they argue with the Pharisees about the Sabbath, that's another thing. And religious people like to argue about, what, uh, you know, this is the right law, the right place, the right thing. You know, they're the people who do things perfectly. And so that group, the Pharisees say, you did this the wrong day, you shouldn't do it on the Sabbath. And so they left Jesus' church, because <laughs> Jesus didn't do it right. Well, he didn't start one yet, that was later. They leave, on the, they argue about the Sabbath. But then it comes back, the man says, I don't know who healed me, I just know that it was, it was this guy, Jesus, then he points out it was him. Here's what we know Jesus says to him later. Jesus says 
stop sinning unless something worse happens to you. Do you know what that tells me? In this case, the man's sickness was conditioned or was a result of his sin. Now, not every sickness is a result of sin, but there is some. Paul said this, when you come to the Lord's table, there's some you need to honor the Lord's body because if you don't, that's why some are sick among you. That's why many have died. He's saying because you're not honoring the presence of God. There is a result. That's not a blanket statement. So if you're sick, it doesn't always have to do with sin. But in this case, it was one of those things. Jesus said, stop sinning unless something worse happens to you. So here's what this man already knew. Jesus didn't have to tell him he was a sinner. How many know that sinners don't need to be told they're sinners? Can we just be real for a moment? I mean, I love street preaching. I think it's wonderful. But if we have to stand on the street corner and tell people they're sinners, I think we got the wrong message. They already know they're not good enough. They're doing whatever they can to cover up and to get by. They already know what we need to tell them is Jesus loves you. No matter how far you think you can run from him, he's still going to run after you. His love is for you. His love is amazing. God loves you. This man didn't need to be told he was a sinner. And so this man knew his condition. He had no confidence. Hey, do you want to get well? I can't. I'm almost 40 years old. My time is up, and I'm a sinner. I've got issues in my life. I don't have my act together. I can't. I love what grace doesn't do. Grace does not evaluate, grace does not evaluate what you deserve, but only your desire. Grace does not evaluate what you deserve, but only your desire. Grace doesn't come and say, do you deserve it? No, grace says, do you want it? Grace says, do you want what I have for you? Grace says, do you want to walk in this wholeness, this freedom? Grace didn't come. And here Jesus didn't say, are you able to? Can you? Should you? But the man's answer was, I can't. Why? Because we, bow, we look at ourselves according to the ungrace, but the grace of God says, I didn't ask you, do you deserve it? I ask you, do you want to receive this life that he has for us? And if we're going to stretch into what God has new for us, we've got to stretch past our lack of confidence What's the confidence? Our confidence is not in ourselves; It's only in the work of Jesus Christ and what he's made possible. It is the grace of God. You say, well, is it all God? Yes, but it's also all you and I. You ever hear somebody whenever uh, uh, you say to them, hey, that was a really great thing you did, and they said, oh, it was all God, it was all Jesus. Anybody ever hear that? Yeah, I used to say that too. Like, hey, Pastor, that was a good sermon. Oh, it's just all God. Until somebody said to me, well, wasn't that good? <laughs> Think about it. And what it was for me, and and just for us, you know, because there's a place where like, well, it's all God. Yes, it's all God, but it's also all you. It's all of me cooperating with all of God to create all that he has for me. It's us, this, this partnership, this working together, this work of God working through us. It takes this confidence. My confidence is not in myself, but I know who I am in Christ. Here's why I'm gonna give you number two. Number two is this. We gotta stretch past our limited condition. This man replies with, I can't, and right behind I can't, he says, there's nobody to put me in the water when it bubbles, and someone always gets there before me. Now, this was a, uh, a tradition in this place that the waters would bubble at a certain time, kind of like the, the, the old faithful, you know, at certain moments it'll burst up. Don't get in that one, that might kill you. So, I mean, but it's kind of like those waters, those, those minerals and certain things at just the right time, they'll bubble up. It's one of these springs in Bethesda, and they said, well, there's healing 
things and components that are in there. So when the water bubbles get in there, and uh, the thought was, well, first one, first come, first serve. And so if you didn't get there quick enough, you know, it's no, no good for you. This represents medicine. Can I tell you, Jesus doesn't have a problem with medicine. He creates all things. Use medicine. There's nothing wrong with medicine. But Jesus says, I'm not limited to medicine. I'm not limited to the structure of how things work here. Jesus said, I can just speak the word. Because the man said, I don't have the help I need. He looked at his limitations. He said, I don't have anybody here to put me in the water when it bubbles at just the right time. Jesus said, well, you can try that. He said, or you can just pick up your mat and walk. Here's what the man says, I don't have anybody to help me. I don't have enough help. And I'm limited on time because it only bubbles at certain times. And I'm limited on resource because somebody always gets ahead of me and gets in before I do. So I'm limited with help, I'm limited with time, and I'm limited with resources. How many have ever felt like your life has limited limitations? There's things that we don't have enough. There's always this moment. But when we get to a place that I don't need to have enough because I'm not enough, I know who is enough, and it's the word of God working in me. Can I tell you that instead of leaning on our own resources, we go first with what the word of God says. And if Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk, I don't need anybody's help anymore. I don't need the right resources. I don't need anything else because his word is enough. Somebody say that right now. His word is enough. Somebody needs to know that in your life. You, got, you need to speak that over your situation, over your circumstance. His word is enough. His word is spoken over your life, over your future, and his word is enough. How do we know that? Because it's his word alone that we know clearly. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. All we need is the word of God. Isaiah 55, it is the same with my word. I send my word out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to do, and it will prosper everywhere. I send it. How many are thankful for the word of God that goes forth, and we stand upon the word of God we stand upon the word of God that he sustains us in all seasons in all places I know you might not have enough resources that's okay don't let resources determine the will of God in your life let the word of God determine the course of your life don't look to the left or to the right don't wait for people's approval because if you're waiting for all the circumstances to be just right how many know you'll still be waiting I feel one of those dangers today not dangers in a in a in a such a tragic way but just in a way that you can miss and stay under the portico, the porch of grace so long and miss what God wants to accomplish in your life because you're under the grace that says God loves me in my brokenness, but you forgot the grace that says pick up your mat and walk in my wholeness. Walk in my purpose. Walk in new life. Yes, grace covers me from my past issues, but grace also empowers me to walk in the future hope and promise that God has for me. That we're moving from transition to transition, from place to place, that it is his word, stepping out on his word. Let me give you the last one. The last one is this. We need to stretch past our covering. Our covering. You notice this is a porch, and you can get comfortable under that porch. And I thank God for that grace. What's that porch? It's the porch of grace that says, I'm accepted here, I'm welcomed here, I'm loved here. But it misses the empowerment that says, I'm no longer what I used to be here. You catching me? You see, your identity becomes that porch. Well, where are they? You'll find them under the porch. How many know if you, if you, if you point out that porch, you're like, hey, where's so-and-so? They're under the porch. And the moment you say they're under the porch at Bethesda, oh, they're still in their broken condition. Now, listen. I'm thankful for the grace of God. Don't misunderstand me. I'm thankful for the grace of God that is there in my past hurts and my issues and my difficulties. How many are so thankful for the grace of God that covers us in our weakness? I thank God for the grace of God. But you know what else? There's one who is in that place called grace 
who is the one who created grace and walks up to you today and says, so you want to get well? You want to get well? You want to get well? You want your marriage to get well? There's grace for that. You want your peace? You, you want grace for your mind to be at peace? There's grace for that. You want grace to help you overcome that temptation that keeps dragging you back down and that, that issue that becomes something that holds over you, that keeps you in a place of, of beating down and feeling worthless. There's grace for that. There's grace for you. There's grace for you that you don't have to just receive the grace of God that identifies you where your brokenness staying under the porch, but there's grace for you that says, now pick up your mat. And the very thing you used to lay on now becomes the thing that is a new display of grace in your life. Grace is not just knowing that God loves me no matter what I've done. Grace is God has healed me and his power works in me and I can pick up my mat. And what I used to lay on is now the thing I'm carrying. And now, hey, if you want to find me, it's that person carrying their mat. Do you know what happens in a place when there are more people carrying their mat than there are laying under the portico or the porch of brokenness? Can I just give you a picture of Fayette County right now? There's a lot of people laying under the porch. It's not condemnation, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And how many know the grace of God is for everyone? The grace of God is available to all. And I pray God help us make a place for people to come in this porch. But that we wouldn't just have a place that would gather people in their brokenness, but we'd have a place that would send people to carry their mat and walk back into the very place whole and healed. Get a picture with me for a moment now. If we had more people coming, and instead of just coming into a place that represents grace, now are picking up their mat and walking into a place that represents hopelessness, and now saying, I know one who takes the things that are broken and causes them to produce life and change us around. There's grace for that. There's grace for that. And, and here is in this place of, of your last covering, wherever you met God last, there's grace for that. But I pray you've moved on. A couple of weeks ago, we had one of our own. Her name was Angela. Some of you might know Angela. She shared her story during the first responders. And she's a part of our church. In fact, she was a part of Jody and I's youth ministry all the way back. And uh, um, so she shared her story of being in an accident. And there were some folks afterwards that said to me, I never knew that happened to her. And what I said to them was, that's because she doesn't live in her past. Her identity is not about what happened to her. Some of us are still at a place where, where our identity is how rough, how hard, and we just keep pulling the band-aid off of how difficult, how hurt, how, and our identity is in our past. But God wants you to know his identity. You can tell the story of what he did in your life, but it's only to help you get forward to move into the next stage and the next place he has for your life. That we don't get stuck in the place of where we've been. And some of us, maybe it's time we've been under this covering. And it's good, but you've been there too long. It's time to pick up your mat. It's time to walk. You've been coming to church, and I, I, we love it. And you keep staying in the same pattern of brokenness. And I thank God there's this pattern, this this. This pentagon of five roofs and five openings that, that really speaks to completion because the number five in, in, the, in the scriptures represents a, a wholeness because it's all the offerings that are meant to be in the tabernacle. 
And it's all the offerings, which co covers the sin, the, the guilt, all the stuff. It's all the offerings. So the number five, even this portico, it represents that you can be whole, that there's this place. But some of us just keep coming back to our old habits, our old things. But it's time today to pick up our mat and walk into the new thing that God has for us. How many would be here today and you say, you know what, Jason, I, in my personal life, I, I, want, I want to believe God for grace to walk into new things. If that's you in your personal life, I don't know what it is, if it's business, if it's relationship, if it's healing, if it's whatever it might be, you say today, I'm believing God for grace to walk in a new place. If that's you today, just lift your hand right where you are. I'm believing God for grace. There's grace for that. If somebody's around you raising their hand, would, would you just, and even if you did, just, just tell somebody around you just right now to put your hand on their shoulder and tell them there's grace for that. You don't even know what it is. You don't have to know. Don't ask them. That's their business. Just tell them there's grace for that. Now, how many believe what you just said to somebody? How many believe that there's grace for that, that you'll walk in healing? I'm believing today there's, there's grace for restored marriages. There's grace for that. There's grace to overcome the addiction, whatever that might be. Immediately our minds go to the worst case scenario. Some of us are addicted to Facebook and social media. There's grace for that. I know you say addiction. It's all of a sudden that individual that, you know, they're on drugs. They don't know what they're doing. What do you think this looks like? You don't even know where you're walking. You don't even know who you're passing. You don't even know, you, you don't even know what's going. I'm talking about the, God, there's grace for me to walk into what you have new for me. There's grace for that. In just a moment, ushers are starting to move now. We're going to be handing out some cards because these last moments together, we're going to share vision of, as a church, there's grace for us to move, to stretch. But I want to pray for us and what there's grace for, whatever you need grace for. There's grace for your marriage. There's grace for your finances. There's grace for that tension and relationship. There's grace for healing, whatever you need. Well, if you today, you say, God, I believe there's grace for that. Would you just lift your hand right where you are? And we're gonna pray right now, every hand that's held up. Father, I agree with every hand. God, I agree with every person that is lifting hands right now into heaven. And Father, we acknowledge that you are our grace and our help. Your grace is enough. Come on, just right now where you are, telling God your grace is enough. It's enough for me in this situation. Your grace is enough. I trust you. Help me to stand on your word. That God, I'm not limited. I'm not less than. I'm not incompetent. I am the child of God. And I have all that I need because your word is all that I need. In Jesus' name, your grace is enough. Amen. Amen. There's grace for that. Our ushers are coming Right now and in these last moments, they're handing out a card that we want you to take a hold of and, and just hold it for a moment. Because just as we're at a stretching point and it's time for transition, here at Faith Assembly, it's time to move. It's time to stretch. We started the year saying activate, that this was our year of activate. We said this year we're gonna move into what God has for us next. The year before that, we said this is next. We said, well, what is next? We don't know, but God's got something for us. For the last three years, we've been praying. We've been going places, talking to people, praying, getting ideas, looking at other options, other places, because we wanna build a bigger porch for people to come. But we don't wanna just make more room for people to come 
and just have more broken people. We want to create more room so that people can come. And even though they're in their brokenness, they can pick up their mat and go right back to the place God called them from. That we can have more people carrying their mats into Fayette County, into the world around us, to share the hope and the good news of Jesus Christ. We've been blessed here. 86, 1986. There was a sign found on the front of this property that said, Future Site of Faith Assembly of God. We had no idea what that would be, but I heard that there were less than 15 people standing on this property in 1986 who said, Oh God, would you bless this place? Less than 15 people stood and prayed over a property. How many would say God heard their prayer and He did something in that moment and created an opportunity? We're now sitting under the porch that a generation before us had built. Some of you were a part of that generation. Some of you are a part of that. Now we're sitting under the porch of what's been built, but now there's opportunity for more. We want to activate our faith to move into more. You say, why? Well, there's a couple things of more that we want to create. More room, without a doubt, more space for people. But we also, while we're doing this, want to create more, more centralized facility. You might know that we've been blessed on the side of a hill, but it's caused us to have two separate buildings. And if you've got young kids, you walk all the way down there and then walk all the way back up here. And it's not the easiest, not the most conducive. It's not the most, most the, the, the best layout in the environment. And so to make it more centralized, to make it more accessible. So instead of walking in five different doors, there's two ways to walk in. So we want to create it to be more central, more accessible, and more room. And this is our year to activate. We are excited because we're moving forward at Faith Assembly to make room for more and moving into more. So after praying and after talking to other people, it might feel like it's fast, but this has been a three-year journey for us. And we're believing God that next year, we're going to break ground on a new plan and a new proper, a new, new building here at Faith Assembly. This is a master plan that we've sketched out and worked with some individuals that really gives us a full picture. What you're looking at is our property that is a rectangle. It's hard for you to see. I understand that. It's got the green trees that are in the back that is our property that is untouched all the way down to 119. We sit from Morgantown Road on a rectangle down to 119. And we're right now on five and a half acres between two buildings and our, our parking lots. And what we're looking to do is to expand, to create new building on this property. And on this property, if you look at the next picture, has a proposed plan to build a new connection lobby right behind us. And then right beside it, an 800 seat auditorium. That would be a place to reach more people. That's as big as we can go. That's all we need. I shouldn't say that. But we're saying to God in two phases. Now to do all of this right now, it would create, here's what it would create. It would create a main street, kind of like Disney Springs or places where you have a pedestrian corridor. We would create a main street right behind us that would become now the main entrance for people to come into which then makes it centralized to our family a family life center that would become our worship center with a brand new connection lobby that would have a new place for us to enter. 
This would become a youth center right on the front of Morgantown Road. Instead of having a place where youth set up and tear down and use for a moment, we're going to give them entire space right on the front that says youth center. Teenagers belong here. We're reaching our county with the good news of Jesus Christ. This whole project, this whole project is $7 million. I mean, let's just be real. That's $7 million. So that's the whole master plan. But we said we can do a phase one that would be $3 million and we can start next year, which would give us a bigger auditorium that would seat another 100 people in a, in a sanctuary, would also give us more space and would be centrally focused so that it would all come in one direction. And in October, at our 40th anniversary, we're not ready yet. We just want you to know how to pray. But at our 40th anniversary, we're going to unveil the drawings and the pictures of what we're believing God for here at Faith Assembly. They're still being completed. But we said, before we show the pictures, let's tell the church it's time to stretch. It's time to get a bigger porch so people who come can know that they're welcomed here, but they can also know that they'll meet one who says, now pick up your mat and walk in the wholeness and in the power of God's grace and His ability. Nine months ago, we stood here, and nine months ago, we announced that that building that was built 15 years ago that cost us $1.8 million. Nine months ago, we announced that that building was paid off completely. But we also said, we believe that in time, that was saying, God, thank you for grace for what was then. Listen, church, we give God praise for the grace that was then. But now there's a grace that says there's a grace for what was in the past, but he's also given us a grace for what is yet to come in the future. Nine months later, I just kind of thought about that today. It was nine months later. Cool things can happen in nine months. Not for me, but for other people. That's exciting. But nine months later, we're standing here today saying, it's time. We're going. Making a bigger place. Making it more accessible. So the families don't have to go down there, then walk back up here, and then go back down there and do but by God's grace. So on this card right now is asking you to pray with us because we're believing God for $3 million. He gave us almost $2 million 15 years ago to do a building. And in seven years, we paid off $1.1 million. Don't forget, he's already given us grace for that. He's given us grace for that, and he'll give us grace for what's coming. We're asking you as we activate this and move forward, this initiative that we're going to launch on our 40th anniversary, would you commit to pray and ready your heart for what God is about to do, the next chapter here at Faith Assembly? Will you pray about personally being a part of a financial commitment to this Activate initiative? And will you commit to attend 
the Here and Now series that'll be starting on October 27th, right after our 40th anniversary. A five-week series casting vision to the end of the year, what we're believing God for right here and right now, that what God is doing in this moment. How many would agree and say, by God's grace, it's time to activate the faith and grace that God has given us. We're gonna ask you, I wanna pray over these cards. What we're gonna ask you to do is after I pray, we're gonna sing. I'm gonna ask you to fill this out. There's a spot on the bottom here, a line for you to put your name. Just fill that out, what you would commit to here as a body. And then as we sing to place this card on this altar today, as we say to God, we're gonna stretch. We believe that there's grace for this. There's grace for this. There's grace for for that moment, for what it is that God has. So Father, I pray that faith would arise. God, even now, I I can't help it. I see it already. God, I see a larger sanctuary. I see a dedicated youth center. I see a a, a centralized area where parents can come with children. God, I see this property taking on new shape, new form, and greater things happening in this place. God, thank you for the grace on the last 40 years. And God, I thank you that you give us grace to move into what you have next. So God, every heart, I pray blessing as we commit ourselves, as we say yes. God, as we evaluate, help us to stretch. Help us, God, to be examples of picking up our mat and walking in the wholeness. We pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you take a moment? Would you fill that out? And would you bring this to the altar today? And let's just declare this hope and promise of what God is doing.